Today's passage is from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbors as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same row, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, who, uh, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oils and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarius and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ernest. Um, if you didn't bring your Bible and if you don't have one on your phone, um, these sheets are printed at the back so you can pick it up. But I'd love for you to follow along um, this text as I go through it. But let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, we thank you that by your word, the heavens and the earth were created, and by your word, your church is called into being. And now we pray that you would speak to us, that by your word, we would be built up as your people, as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you heard of this study? In 1979, there was a study that was published uh, in a... In, uh, in, um, journal called Nature that gave a a correlation between the size of the population density and the speed uh, with which people walk. So if it's more densely populated, oh, can we go, yeah, there we go. Um, If it's more densely populated, people walk faster. Well, they, they, they originally in this paper, they gave the reason why, well, they conjectured that the reason why is stimulation. In a bigger city, there's more stimulation, and so people walk faster. And that reasoning has been sort of debunked uh, for many di- in many different ways, but it doesn't really matter what the reason is. People walk faster in bigger cities. I mean, Hong Kongers walk really fast, don't they? Are you one of these people who, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, hold the rail on the right side in the MTR escalator, or are you one of these people who walk up, you know? And how about Hong Kong taxi drivers? <laughs> Every single one of them seems to be training for the F1 formula racing. Uh, they, they drive really fast. And when we move fast, when we walk quickly, when we move fast, the thing is, sometimes we miss things. We miss seeing things. We miss seeing people. We miss seeing opportunities around us, the things that are around us, the people around us. We miss chances to love people. Today is the AGM, the day we think about the church, what it means to be the church and the mission of the church. And I want us to slow down and think about what that is. I want us to see if we are a church that really loves people, whether our faith, our profession of faith match or matched with our works. Do we love our neighbors? And if we don't, why not? What's stopping us from loving our neighbors in a way that Jesus commands us? And what does it mean then to love our neighbors? I want us to think about that today as a church. Well, we are an evangelical Anglican church, which means that we're grounded in sort of reformed faith, you know, faith uh, of Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. But take a look at the question that this lawyer asked. By the way, the lawyer, uh, the law expert, isn't a law expert in sort of the, the judicial way. It's the expert of the law, the Torah, the Bible. So this person is coming to Jesus asking a theological question. Look at the question in verse 25. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's asking a theological question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But for us, the Protestants, this question, even the premise seems wrong. What must I do? Well, you can't really do anything, right? We can't do things to inherit salvation. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to live a perfect life and die for our sins, and he rose again so he could offer us the gift of eternal life freely. It is, he's right in that one way, it is a, a, a gift that we are inheriting through Jesus. What must I do? Well, no, we can't do anything. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus uh, goes back to the law. He says, well, what does the law say? What does the Bible say? What does it teach? Uh, he, the lawyer replies with the Shema, uh, that, that Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, that portion of the law that Jewish people recite daily, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And love the Lord your God. And he adds uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, love your neighbor as yourself. That combination was known as, even back then during Jesus' days, the great commandment. And Jesus affirms that. And he says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live, verse 28. Of course, I want to say this is part of Jesus' revelation, ongoing revelation, right? Uh, through Jesus' teaching, and, and he, teaching on the cross through Paul and through others uh, who will come, will come to understand what, it, what that means more fully, that Jesus' uh, uh, the salvation is indeed a gift uh, that Jesus gives us. 
we couldn't love God with all of our hearts and mind, soul, and strength, and we can't, we don't love, we're not particularly good at loving our neighbors either. And that's why Jesus came to fulfill that law for us, to give us that gift of salvation. But then people often then ask, well, what are we to do with the law? What are we to do with the summary of the law? Are we sp still supposed to keep, keep it? Are we still supposed to uh, love our God and love our neighbors? Of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> Absolutely yes. We need to love God with our, uh, with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we, we need to love our neighbors. Yes, we're saved by gift of faith, right? The, uh, through faith alone, but faith that bears the fruit of works. It's Martin Luther, a reformer, who said, true faith will no more fail to produce good works than the sun can cease to give light. True faith bears the fruit of works. And we don't have to go to theology uh, to, uh, to find that. It's in the book of James. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my, my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Even the demons know the right theology. <laughs> Even the demons don't know that there is only one God. But demons do not love God. Demons do not do the works of God. Demons do not go out loving the neighbors. Right? If your faith is real, it is living, it should be accompanied by action, <laughs> accompanied by deeds of loving God and loving our neighbors. You see, the test to see whether our faith is living faith or a dead faith, a living faith that leads to salvation or the faith of a demon is to test to see whether we are doing the works of loving God and loving our neighbors? It's a challenging question. Church, is your faith alive or dead? <laughs> is it one of God or is it one of demons? Are we a church full of knowledge of the Bible only? Or are we a people who are transformed by that knowledge? who go out to love him and love his people. It's one thing to say that we love God. Uh, John says, First <laughs> John, God can't be seen. It's easy to say that we love God. But our brothers and sisters, the people to your left and right, you can see them. The people out there in the streets, we can see them. Do we love them? Do we love them? That is the test to see if our faith in God is real. He might say then, well, I can't love everyone. I mean, I, I've got work to do. I've got things to do. I can't love everybody. Well, I, you know, I love some people. Who are my neighbors exactly? Well, that's exactly the, the question that this theologian asks, this lawyer asks. Who exactly are my neighbor? He asked to Jesus. And in answering that question, Jesus tells this most famous story in the Bible, the story of the Good Samaritan. A man goes down to this most treacherous road between Jericho and Jerusalem, 17-mile road that's full of, known to be full of robbers and thieves. Um, and uh, this man was traveling and he wasn't lucky. He got attacked. He was robbed, stripped, and beaten, and left half dead. 
a priest comes by. Of course, oh, the priest, of course he's going to help. What does he do? He sees the man. He goes to the other side of the road. A Levite comes. Well, of course, he's a professional do-gooder. Uh, Levites are people who carried all the works around the temple. They weren't the priests, but they did all the uh, temple work. Of course, this person is surely going to help. He does the same thing. He sees this person, crosses to, crosses to the other side, and turns a blind eye. A Samaritan comes by. Wow. I mean, Samaritan. These are half. Like, these are half breeds. These are uh, idol worshippers. Samaritans and Jewish people did not get along. I mean, you know the story. But what does he do? Verse thirty-three. He saw the man, and he draws near to him. He takes pity on him. He's got some first aid stuff, uh, wine and, and oil. He dresses him, he bandages his wounds. He takes him and puts him on his own donkey, travels to wherever, uh, to the inn, uh, takes care of him and, and gives the innkeeper the money. You know, I've been taking care of him and I will come back in a couple of days and whatever the cost you incur, I will pay for it. And then he goes away. Samaritan helps. He personally loves this person in his action. Jesus then asked, which of these three was a neighbor to the man? The expert, the law expert, couldn't get, him to, get himself to say the Samaritan. There's no such a thing as good Samaritan to him. So he says, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus says, do likewise. Go and do likewise. If you go back and go, did Jesus actually answer the question of who is my neighbor? Well, kind of. He doesn't directly, but what he says is your neighbors are people who are in need, who is in your path. Whoever comes into your path who needs help is your neighbor. But more than that, I wonder if you saw how he switched, he flipped the question upside down. The law uh, expert wanted to define the neighbor, who the neighbors were, to assess who is worthy of his love, who is worthy of sacrifice, who is worthy of help, his help, right? He wanted to see who was out there worthy of his help, and Jesus asked, no, 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 stop focusing on the outside. Stop focusing on who is worthy of your help. Focus on yourself. Are you the kind of a person who will help anyone? Do likewise. Be the kind of person who does not pay attention to the kind of people uh, there are outside. Be the kind of people who will help people no matter what. Friends, are we good neighbors? Are we good neighbors to our family? Are we good neighbors to our colleagues, our, 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 our uh, people in our apartment complex? And I don't mean are you a nice person. Because a lot of people think, well, I'm a pretty good neighbor because I'm a nice person. I do nice things. You know, the, the law keeper, I mean, the, 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 the priest and the Levite probably deemed themselves to be nice people. They might even have had a, a good reputation amongst their neighbors. That's not the question. How do you look at yourself? The question is, are you helping people who are in need, who come across your path? Are we helping those who are in need? That's the question. Are we the kind of people who go out of our way to help? Are we doing that personally? And on this AGM day, I want us to think about that as a church too. What kind of a church are we? Are we any good to our neighbors? 
Are we any good to Sha Tin? Are we any good to Sidiwan and Maunzan and Taipo or wherever we live? Are we any good use to the people out there? Are we loving anyone as a church? And how can we do that? Do we love those in need around us? And if you're like me, a tinge of guilt comes up, you know, excuses come up. But if we're honest, we don't do often, we don't do more uh, because it's costly. Loving people is really costly. Think about the cost that this man incurred, the sacrifice it takes. It costs money. We're told in Samar- that the Samaritan person, verse 35, poured out his own wine and oil. He paid for the inn. Uh, he, 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 he promises to pay the additional expenses. You know, it shatters your budget. I'm sure you have your budgets, right? What if this unexpected cost comes and it just takes it all away? What if the things that you love to do, you can't do anymore because you have to love the people in front of you? It's costly. It's sacrificial. Hong Kong people also spell love, T-I-M-E, time. Sorry, this is something that I repeat. But this is true. Time is important to us. We're busy people. As I was typing this sermon, I was trying to meet up with somebody. And uh, you know, after all the back and forth, we found a spot in two weeks' time. In two weeks' time. My diary is pretty filled and it's pretty neat. What if you have to just shatter your diary? What if these loving means making your life messy? It's not neat anymore. You can't just put the stuff in the diary and just live and do everything that you need to do, you want to do. What if you have to sacrifice? You have to get messy. You have to think, take things away and reschedule things and not be able to do things that you want to do or you have been scheduled to do. Time is precious to us, but it loving people costs time. Loving our neighbors might also get in the way of doing our job. Yeah, many commentators, as, as they, as they uh, commentate on this passage, talk about how priests were not allowed to touch dead things. They weren't. This is Leviticus chapter 21, verse 1. Except for close relatives, this was the command, a priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for anyone, any of his people who die. Why? Well, because if a priest touched a dead thing, that person became ceremonially unclean, unable to do the job that that person was called to do in the temple. So they weren't supposed to touch dead things. Dead things. Maybe that's why they moved to the other side. Our work might suffer in order to love people around us. And of course, we don't do this because oftentimes we don't want to love people. Loving people is really difficult, and the people who we need to love are not the kind of people that we want to love. You know, I'm sure you love people that you want to love. People that you are close to, your friends, people who have been good to you, people who have done favors for you, you love those people. But the Samaritan and the Jews, well, they were enemies. The whole point is that this Samaritan had no obligation. This is not a likely person. This is a person whom traditionally they should have hated. And yet, he loves. He does the right thing. He goes and helps this person. We are to love indiscriminately. We are to be a neighbor indiscriminately. We cannot say to anyone, well, this person is undeserving. 
this person doesn't need my doesn't it doesn't uh, 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 merit my help church the, the world is divided in all sorts of different ways aren't we americans chinese blue yellow black white drug addicts thieves liars uh, slanders promiscuous the irresponsible uh, gay unde- undeserving or whatever that means what, whatever these different categories we cannot discriminate in loving whoever god puts in our path we are to love that is the command and that is the test of our faith whether we believe in Jesus, whether that then springs up in us acts of love. But even if you are ready, and even if you think, well, I want to love this way, I want, I'm ready to sacrifice, I want to love in this way, but I don't actually see the needs. I understand. And that doesn't mean, though, that there are no needs. It's like the time that I lived in Mount Sun. Before getting married, I lived in Mount Zan, I think for two years or three years, I can't remember exactly. But I lived uh, in, in Mount Zan, I took the MTR, I spent a lot of time in Sunshine City, I knew all the restaurants up there, um, the, the good places to, I, I don't know, go for a walk and hike and uh, all those things. But one day, uh, this local friend came up to me and uh, she grew up in Hong Kong, but she was visiting Hong Kong, and she came up and she said, oh, do you know this uh, noodle place? Oh, I don't know. Why wouldn't you take me? So she took me down. And for the first time, you know, Sunshine Plaza, the the mall, for the first time, I went under. (laughs) And, you know, there's a whole economy down there. (laughs) There are butchers and vegetable stalls and food stalls, noodle shops or whatever. The thing is, for two years, I sometimes wondered, what's down there? I sometimes wonder, but I never ventured to go down. And so I didn't know that it was down there. But that's what it's like to live in Hong Kong, right? We live in Hong Kong, walking, doing the things that we do. We go to our work with our earphones on, with, you know, checking our phones or whatever, and we don't look. We don't look. We pass by the things that are obviously there. Friends, the fact that that, that you don't see the need doesn't mean that there isn't a need. We need to go and search out intentionally. We need to pray about intentionally where God is calling us to love, who God's calling us to love. For all of you here today in Shaten Church, that might also be the case too. You can come and go to church. You can sit next to the people around you and never know that the person right next to you might need your help your love. In the church, there are many people who are discouraged and depressed. You know, people who are housebound, who could really use a visit. Uh, Those who are struggling, worried about their future, retirement, uh, college. Those people whose marriages are in trouble. You might be sitting next to these people. But unless you get to know them, unless you're intentional about building relationship and finding out, you might say, well, I don't know who needs, who needs help around me. You might just pass by the needs around you and the opportunities to love. And once again, at this AGM, as a church, I want us to do, think about this as a church. 
I want us to be intentional about praying and looking and going out and seeing what are the needs in our community? What are the needs out there? What are the people, who are the people who are passing by every day? You know, they're there, but we don't know uh, what they need, how we can help. Today at the AGM, we're going to do uh, a thing called asset, uh, asset mapping to find out what our gifts and passions are, what our part- how God has particularly blessed us. And, and uh, the guest from NMS, uh, Norwegian Missionary Society, is going to help us um, to do this. But I'd love for us to be a church that is thinking actively, proactively about loving those around us. It is significant that we're, not, we're called not toward good works here, but to love our neighbors. Loving means building relationship, right? Getting to know people. It's personal. And loving also is this, it has this um, element of feeling. You know, it's a strange command, right? Love, if you love this person. Uh, one way to explain that away is to say, well, love biblically doesn't mean a passion. It doesn't have anything to do with your feelings. It's more about duty. Uh, and there is an element of truth um, to that. Biblical love is self-sacrificial, and we, there is an element of action doing things. But I don't think we're called towards cold-hearted duty. No, I think we are called to love. There is an element of heart and feeling and passion. We are to love our neighbors. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we love with our, from our heart? There's only one way. <laughs> As church, we need to dwell on the love of Jesus, of what he has done for us. Many of us, don't like to think of ourselves as weak and beaten up, half dead or dead in our sins, but we are. And when we were God's enemies, left dead on the side of the road, God sent Jesus. He came down and he became our good Samaritan. He became our love. He became our neighbor. He dressed our wounds. He poured the costly wine of his blood. He breathed his new life in us. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit and said, I'll come back. I'll give you the rest. That's what he has done. He has become our neighbor. And only, and only when we are steeped in that grace, when we know Jesus personally, when his grace comes and reaches down from our heads to our hearts and let it transform us, will we love our God and will we love our neighbors around us. And if we love, imagine, if we loved each other in this sacrificial, costly way, and, you know, so we, we have reasons to love one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. But then when we go out there to City One, to Mount Zan, and love people we don't even know in a sacrificial way, in a costly way that costs us our time, energy, job, you know, all these different ways, the world will take notice, won't they? When we love radically like that, won't the world say, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Christians are different. Their God must be different. Let's pray.
Lord, we pray now that you would fill us with the gift of your Spirit. Lord, fill us with a love that only comes from you. Help us to look to Jesus. And as we look and gaze on the cross, Lord, help us to see how we have been loved. And not only in our heads, but Lord, through the power of your Spirit, open our eyes and help us to feel that love deeply and let that knowledge transform our hearts, Lord. Lord, may we be a people who have living faith, a faith that bear the fruit of good works, the fruit of love for you and love for our neighbors. And may the world see that there is a living God who is changing our lives and changing us to be a people who love in a way that's different from the rest of the world. Lord, we believe that you are one true God. Pour out your love upon us and help us to love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.